0: I want to talk to you about the three calls of Paul. Paul's three calls given to us in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And uh, let's read it again tonight, and I'll speak on number 2 for just a few moments. I spoke on number 1 this morning about he wants our attention. God's call through Paul to get our attention. Here's what it says in verse 1. I beseech you that you means you. You means you. Already, you means you. Let's change it again. You means me. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye, another personal pronoun, ye, present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he should or ought to think, but to think soberly, accordingly, as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. I said this morning, number one, the call to attention. You, we need to listen to it. I'm give the slogan that we have in the military. Yes, sir, report for duty. Report for duty, and the whole duty of man is to fear God and to keep His commandments, Ecclesiastes chapter 12. And He's given us the decree that we need to listen through the Apostle Paul. Be called to attention. He wants our attention. He wants us to serve Him faithfully and fervently all the days of our life by the good grace of God. I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God. Tonight, let's talk about the call to activation. Not only do you get the salute to charge, you are got to get active. I mean, you've got to have attention to get your heart right, your mind on tune, and then let's charge the gates of hell. We've got an enemy, and the enemy is not you, and the enemy is not me. We're not each other's enemy. The devil hates us. The devil did wants to destroy us. Run, wreck, and destroy is what the Bible says. And he's alive, and he's been alive ever since the beginning of his creation by God. And one day he'll be placed in the lake of fire. hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he'll be there forever and forever and forever. What a wonderful thought that is. But the devil's still alive and working on us. He's working on me, as I said here a while ago, just bombard my mind as he does sometimes, trying to get you to think of other things. And I know how he works, and I know you do too. But the devil never gives up, and he's going to stomp, try to bombard your mind. So one way to help me tonight, just every once in a while, just say amen, practice ready. Very good. Say it a little louder, man. Very good. That helps a preacher. It's like saying, stick him to a dog We're chasing rabbits. And uh, may God help us tonight. But this three calls, the Apostle Paul. The first was a call to attention. Tonight, the call to activation, where the Bible says, present your bodies. So that's what it says. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, ye present your bodies, ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. May God help us. Father, give us power and liberty. Help us say what needs to be said, leave unsaid that does not need to be said. And may your name be honored and glorified. And we we'll thank you for it. Bless those that are absent tonight because of sickness. Be close to them, encourage their heart, bless our shut-ins, and Lord, may you bless those that just need a special touch of God upon their life. Help us tonight to grow and to go and to glow in the very presence of God and to enjoy the blessings of the Lord as we battle. It's a battle, but it's a blessing, and thank God for that. There's valleys, but there's mountaintops, and we rejoice in all that you do for us. So help us tonight, I pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. May be seated. called to activation, called to be involved in the Lord's army, called to be a battler, a warrior, endure hardness as a good soldier, Paul told Timothy. And all the way through the Holy Word of God, you find the Christian life is not easy. Everyone's was called to be easy. Now, I believe it's easier than an unsaved person's life. But the Bible tells us that the way of a transgressor is hard. Come unto me, all that labor heavy laden, I will give you rest. So spiritually speaking, we have a better relationship with God. And because of that, we can have more rest on the inside. While the devil is trying to run, wreck, and destroy us on the outside, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. So we rejoice in the blessing of the Lord. So as we battle, we're blessed. The battling and the blessing that goes on all the time in the Christian life. It's always good when you get to see a victory come from time to time. We've had several of those in recent days, and it's always a joy to see prayers answered, and that means a lot. You ought to keep a prayer list and a prayer journal and check off things on paper or a journal that God answered your prayer. Somebody died and went to heaven. I was reading this week, I come down to where Miss Cheek would be, and i would already stricken through her name, but she's in heaven. Hallelujah, she's in heaven. And every individual that's died, that's been on your row, if they're saved, they still may be on there and still may be on your journal. But be as it may, whether you do a physical journal or a mental journal, you ought to praise the Lord for answering prayer. When God sends you that money that you weren't expecting, you ought to praise the Lord. When God provides the health that's been an extra blessing to you, you ought to rejoice and be glad and tell Him and not get so used to the blessings and take them for granted. Every good gift, every perfect gift, cometh down from God above in whom there's no variance in the shadow of turning. He's the father of lights and praise the Lord for his blessings to us. But he wants us to be activated, activated, activated. He wants us to be activated in the army, in the service. Here's what he said: I want you to have a living sacrifice. So, number one, he wants to have a real sacrifice if we're going to be actively involved in the work of the Lord. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. How much sacrifice do we give? How much sacrifice do we do? If we looked at our life after comparison to Calvary, we do so little. Jesus Christ died like no other man ever died. He died in humiliation. He died on the cross. He took every wound that you can imagine that can be given to a human being. They say there are five medically. And he took all five of those wounds, incision, contusion, bruises, and so forth, all the five different uh, uh, wounds you could have in the body. And Jesus took every one of those. He got slapped. He had his beard pulled. He had his he had a crown of thorns on his head with... Uh, nails in those or thorns in those that pierced his brow he had the beating at the cat nine tail 39 stripes save one as far as they could go they'd have killed him there in the arena of, uh, of his punishment uh, the beatings on the back the, the, the mocking, the laughing the humiliation, all the things that went together to form one of the most glorious hellish sights in all the world I don't know if I get a glimpse of it like I should but if I think about it long enough Calvary makes me realize I do so little in the area of sacrifice. And we ought to sacrifice, real sacrifice. God wants your life now. I said this morning, He calls you to attention. Now, not tomorrow. Now, today is a day of salvation. Tomorrow may be too late. That's true of individuals in our life. If He wants wants us to do something, it's now. And time is quickly running out. The urgency of the hour demands us to be up and about The Father's business. Jesus was up and about the Father's business when he was 12 years of age and uh, they wondered what he was doing and he said marvel not I'm about my Father's business at the age of 12. Now I know he was God wrapped in flesh I knew he confound no doubt the rulers in the temple that day but Jesus was always doing the will of the Father as you read the biography in the Bible and the Gospels of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ so I'm glad for the activation that he was involved in for you and for me. And if He was active for you and active for me, then He's active for all of us. He wants us to be used of God. He said in the scriptures in uh, the writings of Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, He says, I die daily. Now let's think about it for a minute. He says, I die every day. Now I realize you can die to the flesh every day. Romans chapter 6, yielding yourself to God, you die to the flesh. You don't want to do the things the flesh would do. But He also said, all day long they kill me in Psalms 44, 22 in a prophecy about the Lord Jesus and also in 1 Corinthians 15, 13, uh, 31, talking about uh, Him being dying daily. That means He was in danger of death all the time. The beasts were around Him all the time. He was in danger of being killed. How many times we read off where they tried to take Him away. They tried to crucify Him early. They tried to destroy His life. Jesus was in jeopardy every day. The early apostles jeopardized their life. For the cause of Christ, they were in jeopardy all the time. I mentioned this morning, all of them went to the, went to the, uh, the, the, the guillotine one way or the other, where they had their head cut off, whether they was drunk through the street, or where they was uh, crucified upside down like Peter. All of the disciples died a martyr's death. Fox's book of Martyrs details those. Every disciple except John died a martyr's death. They died a martyr's death. They died in love of God and grateful that they could die for Him. When they started, they were nervous. When they started, they were anxious about a lot of things. The longer they stayed with Him. But when they saw the crucifixion and when they saw the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and I think when they saw Him standing on the Mount of Olives with the nail prints in His hands and said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, teach all nations. When they saw that, He says, I'll come again. the angel said, this same Jesus that goes away... The same man that goes away will come again in like manner. And so was it true? He doesn't care how young you are or how old you are. I said that this morning. and He doesn't. He wants to use whosoever we are. Are you available? And the greatest ability in the world is availability. So I die daily. According to the Word of God, the Bible says I should. And you may not be physically able to do what you used to do. You may be half worn out. But you know God can take a half worn out person... And do a lot with. They can take anybody, anywhere, anytime, and still use them, empower them. When you read the old timers in the Bible, they lived long lives. Now, some of them waxed older and older and got weaker and weaker, but they went 120 years, 180 years. Uh, Methuselah lived to be 969 years, and uh, Adam lived to be 950 or 60 years. They lived a long time, and Moses lived to be 120 years of age and Joshua and Job and all the characters of the Old Testament we read about lived long lives. But as they aged, they still were being usable by God. God does not put a premium on our abilities. He puts a premium on His ability. And what we can't do, He can do. And when we're weak, He's strong, even in His own weakness, when it seemed like He couldn't do anything Himself. When He was going to Calvary, dragging the old rugged cross up. When He was weak, no doubt with all the blood leaving His body, And coming down to the end of his life, as that blood trickled from his body, from the top of his head to the sole of his feet, that blood was dropping, drop by drop, step by step, he used his own blood. When he come down to the end of that trail, they took him up Golgotha's mountain, up Calvary's hill. And he laid himself down willingly. Nobody takes my life from me. I give it willingly. And laid himself down on that cross. And they placed those nails in his hands and his feet. And they put him on the cross. And he stood him upright and then dropped down in the hole. And he no doubt come down with a thud as his body stretched and the blood oozed out even more, flowing down Calvary. By the way, let me just insert, I'm glad one drop of that blood was for me. I'm glad Jesus Christ loved me enough to shed his blood on the cross of Calvary and died in my stead. He took my place. He took your place. And you say, well, preacher, you preach about it a lot. Well, if you hang around, go preach about it some more. I love to tell the story. It's the greatest story in all the world the greatest love story ever been penned by mortal man. Charles Spurgeon said, when you don't know what to preach, you head for the cross. And how true that is when you're concerned about and every sermon ought to end up at the cross ought to give an invitation to people to come and get right with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it was, he said, you want to call to attention. I've given that to you. You, you, you. Ye are to be involved. You are to give. And what are you to give? You present your body a living sacrifice, a call to activation, a real sacrifice. You don't care how young you are, how old you are. Now, later, when you're through with your life and your plans, sometimes you might want to give something to God. But why not do it now while you're young, while you've got excitement in your life? Uh, nothing, nothing more thrilling than an exciting teenager. I was watching... Uh, What's Mr. Behrman's name? Caleb. Caleb was coming down the aisle all ago to receive the offering. And uh, all dressed up, looked good. And he was probably saying, this offering's for me. I turned 14 yesterday. I mean, he was excited to come down the aisle. He looked good. But God could take a young man of 14 years of age, and my nephew who preaches a lot, Scott, was about that age, and went 12 or 13 years of age when he started preaching And God can take him. My daddy was 13. He was so little they had to put him on a box to preach. When he started preaching, God can take him. But they ought to be excited about Jesus Christ. They get excited about a lot of things. And I remember those days. I was excited about a lot of things, including girls. And we are excited about a lot of things in life. Making a little money here and there and having your own money. Eventually trying to get your own car. Those big days, exciting days. One of the biggest days in our life probably was graduating from high school. If we was able to do that. And then maybe going on to whatever vocation or college we went to. But we sometimes found ourselves excited about life. Couldn't wait to get there. Couldn't wait to get there. Couldn't wait till we turned a certain age. Couldn't wait till we got a car. Couldn't wait till we had our own room. And couldn't wait till we had our own bed we'd sleep in. I slept with my brother Sonny most of my life. That was no thrill. Sleeping my brother, my soul. But I did because we had no place else to sleep. I said, well, either that or the floor. So we chose the bed. It was exciting when you got your own bedroom. It was exciting when we got more than one bathroom. We had one sister, and she took more time in there than she should. It's slow go when you don't have more than one restroom. And when you got two, man, that's hallelujah time. Excited about the simple things of life. But getting excited about Jesus Christ. I remember those days of going to Printers Alley in Nashville, Tennessee, Passing out tracts. There was something about that that was exciting. And there's something about going to a place to preach and, and we're going to listen to preaching it can be exciting. It can always thrill our soul. All that thrills our soul is Jesus. But being involved in the work of the Lord, what does God want me to do? I have one life to live, soon be passed. So is yours. What does God want me to do? I can't do everything, but I can do something. And by the grace of God, I'll do what God calls me to do. And if you say, my gift is so little... One of the words that the Bible forgives is the word "helps." H-E-L-P-S. I don't know what all that entails, but when you take your life and you use the gift of helps, you go a long way behind the scenes. Nobody may know exactly what you're doing, but God's blessing you. I noticed Margaret and Chris. there's over here Saturday. There was three of them. There was Chris. There was Margaret, and there was a dog. What was that dog's name? Scout. Scout. Yeah, I remember Scout. I met Scout. And they were going around picking up trash and uh, had, their, had their dog and they didn't have Danny with them. I guess he was not feeling well. But I thought when I walked away, what a blessing. What a blessing. I've just taken the time to come to church every week just about that I've seen. Either walking around somewhere, picking up trash, trying to make the place look as attractive as possible. Thank God for that. Thank God for others who devote their self and their time who are willing to labor. You say, well, that's such a little thing. Thank God for little things. Thank God for every little thing that somebody does for little as much when God is in it. When we do it with the right purpose, I've mentioned by this water so often. When I took a sip of water a while ago, I was delighted. My throat was already feeling bad. But to drink a sip of water before I preach uh, is a blessing or during while I'm preaching. And think I will again. It gives me about 30 more minutes of preaching right there if I just get my octane filled, filled up. But the right real sacrifice. I mentioned the other night or other day preaching and sort of lived over it. But uh, two animals walking down the street and one was a chicken and one was a pig. And they were sort of fellowshipping together to going down the road. And the pig says to the chicken... You know, it's amazing. Look at that sign up there. Ham and eggs. $1.99. And it's wonderful what we do for humanity. How we're blessing to man. And the chicken said, yeah. Or the the pig said, yeah, it's easy for you to say. He said, ham and eggs, that means i got to sacrifice. And all you have to do is make a contribution. (laughs) Well, make a contribution, amen. You may not be able to sacrifice as much as somebody else. And don't compare yourself with somebody else. I mean, just say, Lord, here I am. You don't try to outdo somebody. not trying to be better than they. I don't try to outsing anybody in the church. That would be foolish to try. I don't try to out-preach anybody in the church. It would be foolish to try. I just want to be myself, and you be yourself. Everybody's different. Everybody's got different personalities, got different ways of presentation, but He wants us to be activated. The fuse needs to be lit. The command's been given. The charge from heaven has been declared to us. He said, I want you to get involved, and... He said, I'm talking to you. I want your attention. I don't want your head stuck in the sand. I don't want you to just rebel against it. If I've got something for you to do, and find out what it is he wants you to do. And many of you are prayer warriors, and many of you have been faithful to the Lord over the years of doing things that contribute to the cause of Christ. And going soul winning, we're trying to train soul winners uh, to talk to folk about the Lord Jesus. I was talking on the phone to Fred. I think it was on the phone when Fred told me about the man that bowed his head and prayed for salvation. Hallelujah for that. I mean, that's exciting. That's a new name written down in glory. You say, no big deal. Listen to me. Listen to me. Big deal. If one soul is more valuable than the entire world, and what shall a man give for exchange for his soul? there's nothing more valuable than a man's soul and Jesus Christ died for the lost and he came to seek and to save that which was lost and every individual that dies apart from God is going to burn forever and that includes people in my family and your family and our friendship circle and those that we know well if they're not saved by God's grace they're going to come down to the end of their life they may be a grandma or a grandpa they may be a brother or a sister they may be a child or a grandchild but when the time comes down to the end of this world it ain't going to matter about lot of things but when they're dropping in the pit of hell and the flames are engulfing their soul and they cry the theme song of hell I'm lost I'm lost I'm lost God have mercy I'm lost I'm lost I'm lost it ought to penetrate our soul even now to remind us to be be, be, be about the father's business and be involved in trying to talk talk to folk about the Lord Jesus Christ you say well I don't know how if you can say pass the beans you can say praise the Lord you can talk if you can talk about the ball game, you can talk about souls. Don't tell me you can't. Yeah. Amen. You say, "Well, preacher, I just don't interested in souls." Well, get interested. He is calling you to attention. He's calling me to attention. He's calling us to be activated. God wants to use your life now, not tomorrow. One day to be passed. And the only time we have is now in being involved in the work of the Lord, whatever that is. Let God find out what He wants for you to do. God still wants preachers. God still wants singers. God still wants teachers. God still wants bus workers. God still wants people who will pray. God still wants people who will sow wind. God's work is never full, never done. It will go on until eternity. And what we do in heaven will be serving Him delightfully. But until then, we've got to keep serving Him faithfully and fervently by the grace of Almighty God. A righteous sacrifice. What kind is it? Look at the context. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Then he gives the description, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your what? Reasonable Reasonable service. What kind of sacrifice? A holy sacrifice. It means separate from sin. God is holy. Isaiah 6, 3. Holy, holy, holy. The whole earth is full of his glory. God is magnified in the work that we do. Isaiah heard the call of God. As Paul was giving out the call here to others, including the folks at Rome and the church, Isaiah received a call. The day King Uzziah died, he got the call from God. He may have had his attention on the king. Maybe he was more impressed with the king than he was with anything else. But his eyes became centered on the greatness of the king of glory. And the angels begin to weep and sing and bow their wings and cry, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, and it's a holy sacrifice. We should not indulge in sinful practices and the philosophies of this world that ruin us. I just reading or study, may preach a sermon on humanism and done it a long time. But humanism is a worldwide religion. It is recognized by the Supreme Court as a religion. Atheism comes under religion. I mean, you wouldn't think it's a religion, but they claim religious exemption because of the fact that they're a religion. They say they don't believe in God, but they are still a religion, and their God is man, and they de- de- deify man above what he should be, and they make him a hierarchy. And one day they're going to worship man. And that's what's been the desire of Satan to be worshipped all these years, and one day he will be. And people will desire to worship just a mortal man. Who sits on the throne in Jerusalem? We're not talking about the glorious God man. We're talking about just a human being. We call him the Antichrist and so forth. But humanism is so real to where folks are getting enamored and deceived. And the great deception is deceiving folk into believing a lot of things. And the whole charismatic movement is being used by the devil uh, to draw folks into that, uh, to where they magnify the man and they put great, great impression upon the man. You gotta watch, be careful about a lot of, not all Charismatics, but a lot of Charismatics do a lot of things for show and for flow and for money. If you don't think they do things for money, watch it. It's amazing how they get lots of money coming in. We're trying to pay the parking lot, and sometimes it's a struggle for us, it seems like. Charismatics ask for a million dollars for a new plane and have it tomorrow. One, one Charismatic preacher has two new planes, right? brand new ones. He says he's going around the world evangelizing. When they track his record. He's going to Lake Tahoe and other places for vacation. God have mercy on a preacher like that. God have mercy on deception like that. God have mercy on people that play a game with spiritual things and trying to be impressive to somebody. Not all are the same, but many of them are being deceived. And I believe the great falling away will include many sincere Christians. Great falling away. They had to be there before they fell away. And that great falling away this coming, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 talks about. But the activation to service it means separated from sin, be holy, keep your keep your life clean, keep your sin count short. Sinful practices and philosophies of the world—they're everywhere. And philosophy of man is overriding the, the theology of God. Theology comes from neology. The more you study God's Word, the more you read, and more you practice, you learn the great truths of God. You read the great truths of the Bible the great doctrines of the Bible. And yet so often we study the human reasoning, the human humanities of man, what man can do. If man is allowed to do it, he'll do anything that his mind can conceive. That's what happened to the Tower of Babel. Even in the latter days, that man is designing, designing and desiring to go out in space farther and father. I'm not saying it's wrong to go to space, but they want to get their glory. I'm glad for those astronauts that's gone out there and recognized that the creations come from God. But also I'm saddened by the Russian cosmonaut who said years ago, he said we flew out in space, and he says, I'm on record to say I never saw God. The reason why he never saw God is a fool. The fool said in his heart there is no God. And because of that he's already recorded his destiny unless he gets saved. But the fact is there is a God, there is a Lord God who is the creator of the world, who spoke and all happened, and we are grateful to God for today that we can have a God who's holy God, who wants us to follow Him day by day and week by week. We are to think, we are to act, we are to talk, we are to walk, not like the world. Let me say it again. We are not to think, we are not to act, we are not to talk, we are not to walk, like the world. Let me say it one more time. We are not to think. Think not like the world. The world thinks after the lust of flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Don't act like the world. There not be no doubt about it. But when you get saved, start growing in grace, don't let any doubt in your mind. If there's something you're doing that's doubtful, then give it thought, prayer, and learn how to get victory. Come to RU for several months and get victory in your life over a habit that's defeating you. We go along with God until you get a hold of that. Because the world's watching. And the only testimony some folks read is your body. Is your way you act. The way we think. And the way we contribute to society. You act. It said don't talk like, a, like an unsaved person. We are not to talk like the world. Uh, slang words. Cuss words. Vulgarities. All the list. I mean it's a shame sometimes you listen to people talk. And the vulgarities they use. You ought to get a good bar of soap and wash out your mouth real good by somebody. I mean, it's a shame you can't talk with decency. You ought to talk with purity. I can't imagine Jesus saying some of the things we say. And I realize we all have habits and things that God's working on in our lives, but you ought to have a desire to be cleaned up and be as clean as you possibly can and be righteous. He says, I want you to real sacrifice, a living, not a dead sacrifice, a real living sacrifice. And I want it to be a sacrifice that's holy. I want us to think right, act right, talk right, and walk right, and look like we ought to, and not be like the world. The old adage has been told for years, and I've given it hundreds of times, you know it by heart. If it uh, swims like a duck, if it's got feathers like a duck, if it waddles like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, my conclusion is it must be a duck. Would you agree? And if somebody looks like the world, acts like the world, and smells like the world, and never wants anything to do about it, and they never want to clean it up, I'm not saying there's not works of progress and works of sanctification. But if they're satisfied living like the world, they have no desire to live like the Word, there's a real problem in there. That's always going to be about the earthly cause of Christ. God's three calls through Paul. One is for attention. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you... Talking to you, talking to me, talking to all of us in this room tonight, the young and the old, to make up the time to take up your cross and Father Lord Jesus Christ. A call to activation, present your bodies. I have one body to give. You have one body to give. And I have one set of hands. Brother Wilder and I were talking in the office a while ago or this morning about his hands, arthritis. I think he told me he's real bad. A lot of things he can't do because of that. He did the best he can with what he's got, with his hands. I have two hands, you have two hands. They're not mine, they belong to the Lord. The body is the temple of the Holy Ghost of God. Therefore, my hands are not my hands. They're yielded to God. There nothing be done that would not glorify him with my hands. Whatever I do with my hands that I'm able to do, whether it's with arthritis or not arthritis, whether they're, whether they're there or cut off, we're talking about losing your hand. Difficult to do something when you don't have your hands. But you use them for the honor and glory of God. Your two feet, you use it for the glory of God. And then sometimes a the child has to be dealt with as the service of the Lord. How many of you ever been taken out? How many of you ever got spanked for being mean in church? Well, these eyes belong to the Lord. These ears belong to the Lord. See, if we get sensitive to that, and I'm not saying we never will fail and falter, but if we get sensitive to the very voice of God, the very presence of God on the inside, holy, we find ourselves having trouble enjoying sin. When you can enjoy sin to where it don't bother you, there's pleasure in sin for a season, that season's going to pass, and you're going to say, oh my God, what have I done? Lord, I'm so sorry, please forgive me of what I've done. And it changes on the inside. That calls us to realize that we're being activated into service for our bodies are a testimony. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. And say it readily and regularly, man does not look on the inside. He cannot see it, neither can I. God is the only one who looks on the inside. Every individual looks on the outside, looks through their natural eyes. And when they behold you, what do they say? That's a Christian. The woods are full of them. I can't understand how they say they're saved and they live like that. I'll leave that with God about the judgment. But as far as the testimony, it does hurt. I've heard God's testimony. I'm sure losing my temper sometimes. Saying things I ought not to say. I'm sure you have too. They don't sit there like you never had sin. If we have, if we have not sinned, we deceive ourselves and the truth's not in us. We all falter and fail along the way but keeping those short sin accounts, keeping them under the blood, saying, Lord Jesus, I need help to be a better Christian." We're not here to take up space. We're not here just to make a living. We're here to make a life. May God help us to be actively involved in the work of the Lord. I close. He said to Eli, Samuel said in 1 Samuel chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3 through there, he said to Eli, when he finally got the understanding that God was trying to talk to Samuel, And Eli said, you say, here I am. Because that's what he was saying to the man. But Samuel finally said to God, here I am. Thy servant heareth. That should be our prayer tonight. Thy servant heareth. We hear what God has to say. And may God lead us to where He wants us to be, to do what He wants us to do, help us to be what we ought to do in helping and become a tool of evangelism that will touch the world for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stand together please for prayer. Thank you for your kind attention tonight. Activated the service. Attention. Now charge. Let's get involved. And thank you for being involved already. Thank you for all that you do for the cause of Christ. May God help us to be more involved until the day is over and he takes us home to glory. Father, take the brokenness and the frailty of human beings of this human servant tonight. Take something said that could be used for the honor and glory of God. Father, may that we all be involved in the work of the Lord. And whatever that work is, little as much when God is in it. All the glory goes to God. And Lord, take us and use us and multiply our efforts. Take the food and spread it around. And Lord, as you multiply the loaves, you're able to do it. And we're thankful for that. Take, Lord, our church, and use it in these days to reach out and touch people for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Bless every member. Bless every attender. Bless us all that we'll do the will of God. Lord, it's so easy to listen to the human philosophy, living for ourselves, getting all wrapped up in this world. This world is not our home. We're just a passing through. One day we're going to bypass out of this world into the next, and we'll stand before the Lord and give an account for our lives. Help us, God. Forgive us for our sins. Forgive us of our shortcomings. Cleanse us by the blood of the Lord Jesus tonight. And we'll be so thankful for it. In His name we pray. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. In just a moment we'll have a song of invitation. If you need to come, by all means come. and Kneel at the altar if you need to. Confess your sins to God. Get closer to God. All of us should be ready and willing to say, Lord, here am I. Take me and use me. Please, Lord, don't refuse me for surely there's a work that I can do and even though it's humble, help my will to crumble. I come on bending knees and a broken heart to say I'm available to do the will of God. Bless the invitation, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.